We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, joined by Sean Siegel. And Sean, Last year, we were pretty much all over Jonathan Taylor. We talked about him a lot in the offseason. His ADP actually went in the opposite way. Sometimes we think if we talk about these players in the offseason, their ADP is going to rise. And that can be the case. But with all that was going on with Jonathan Taylor last offseason, Carson Wentz obviously picked up an injury. There was offensive line injuries. That ADP dropped a little bit. But we drafted Jonathan Taylor in a lot, a lot of drafts last year. And that worked out really, really well for us. We've got a lot of questions coming in this year as to who could be this year's version of Jonathan Taylor. So the guy that's kind of maybe a little bit undervalued, ready to break out or ready to bounce back, maybe as we'll talk about on today's show. But Jonathan Taylor, I think, you know, we, we talk zero RB a lot, but when we aren't going zero RB, we're, we're definitely Jonathan Taylor guys. We are Jonathan Taylor fans. And I mean, the obvious answer to who the 2022 Jonathan Taylor is would be Jonathan Taylor. But you got to pay the 101, not a turn at the first, not a pick at the one two turn. That makes a, a big, big difference, obviously. When we were looking at Jonathan Taylor last year and emphasizing his selection, I put together an article looking at his profile how he elite he was as a prospect. Now, this is a guy who came in and more or less broke the running back prospect lab. And the running back prospect lab is a tool that I really like because it does help you separate the absolute stars from a lot of players who maybe are good and they can be good fantasy players. But the guys who are going to come in as, you know, not necessarily generational prospects, if you have you know, four, five, six of them. But we're looking at these players who are at the very, very top, right? And so Taylor comes in and his prospect lab comps are guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, the very top guys. And one of the reasons that that group was interesting is they come in as these big athletic players. And as they go through their careers, the receiving workload tends to tick up a little bit. And you can see that from the whole group. 
And by the time that you get into season two, and especially now in season three, and so we've written about it again, so you're expecting a player to have the ball in his hands a lot and in all possible ways because he is so dynamic. Obviously, we've seen that from Jonathan Taylor. If anything, he's the best player from that group. You're talking about a size-speed combination that's almost unreal and the ability to generate long runs that round out a profile that would be elite without those long runs. So Jonathan Taylor, pretty unique. There's not going to be one every season. There isn't one for 2022. And so that's our kind of first point. We might be in a situation where next year that Brees Hall is kind of moving into the portion of his career where we would start to look for that type of outcome from him. And he might be the kind of guy where in year two, he gives you that elite win rate but column even though we don't have a pure jonathan taylor pick for 2022 there are a couple players who we might look at as having some elite elements to their profile and definitely the ability to generate win rates far above where they're being drafted yeah, and we don't want to just dampen the mood straight away, Sean. Maybe these guys still sneak into that category. Maybe these two guys we're going to talk about will do what Jonathan Taylor did last year. But that was an extremely fun season. And there was, like I mentioned at the start of the show, there was quite a few things working against him to actually do that. You mentioned you know, having the ball in his hands. He probably should have had the ball in his hands a little bit more than he did last year with the Colts. But he was so dynamic, so explosive fantastic to watch and, and quite rightly going as the first pick in most drafts this year uh, overall so um, that is Jonathan Taylor but this year we're looking for that player that's going in the second late second round early second round that that could then potentially give you a massive return on that selection and Ben and Sean talked recently about the running backs that they target and you know Sean is very selective in those running backs and, and rightly so but when these guys are put on the list I think they're definitely ones to keep a very close eye on and you, we're not going to talk about Brees Hall today but you did touch on him and he is somebody to definitely keep on your draft radar for 2022 but the first one up Sean is at the ADP of kind of between 15 and 16 so in that early second round in most drafts and it was somebody who we really loved last year who was going a couple of rounds later but did show production throughout the season finished the season injured unfortunately but that was deandre swift of the detroit lions and you've outlined a number of reasons here why he potentially fits that mold as a, a running back who can really outperform that adp and obviously we want to find the next jonathan taylor but in some cases it makes more sense to find the next Austin Eckler or Alvin Kamara, something that's more realistic to find, at least in this case with the players that we have available to us. And DeAndre Swift really fits that pattern. We had a great article from Ryan Collinsworth, really a, a fantastic series a couple of years ago. And one of his points was that Austin Eckler is Alvin Kamara, right? And once he gets a little bit more of a workload, and you looked at you know how he's used, how dynamic he is in that role, the types of touches that he dominates with, the two players are just so identical. And I think at that time, when Kamara is basically the best fantasy back in the NFL, and Austin Eckler is this sort of space back, you know, handcuff second stringer, people are going to look at that, raise their eyebrows, and say, well, you know, he's a good pass catching back, but let's 
be reasonable. Now we have Austin Eckler in the middle of the first round and one of the highest scoring backs in the NFL. You look at DeAndre Swift, and it's very easy to see why he would be the next back to take that leap and really be a top five pick if he could just stay healthy, right? And you look at what he did last season, the numbers really speak for themselves. He's number one in targets per game. He's number four in receptions per game. He's tied for number two in target share. He's number two in yards after the catch. He's number six in high value touches. And that's interesting because he did miss some of the end of the year. The only player with more high value touches who was also ahead of him in terms of high value touches per snap was Leonard Fournette. And we know the kind of workload that Fournette had last year where he's basically catching all these dump offs and rushing at the goal line, the dream workload for any running back. And it's not like we even have that much projection when we're looking at DeAndre Swift. He has at 18.6 points per game through week 11. And if you are on the Swift bandwagon at that point, you know, and by bandwagon, I mean, if, if you'd been drafting him, during draft season and you were now playing him every week you just felt absolutely golden this guy was going out and crushing your league for you unfortunately he gets hurt in week 12 and that more or less does it for him and so you had to have some depth one of the interesting things that kind of jumps out there is that at that point in the season he was at 18.4 expected points per game which was actually barely ahead of jonathan taylor and so when we talk about having the workload that you need in a back who is also very explosive, he was right there. The other thing that he had done was to really eliminate a lot of the competition. And we, we went into the season, and a lot of people were expecting this committee between Swift and Jamal Williams. Williams, a pretty solid back, and the Lions had made a big deal about how it was going to be a committee. From week four, which is really where he started to consolidate through week 11, you know, the week before the injury, he was at a 77% snap share, which is really getting up there, especially on a team that did want to mix in some other backs. So again, we're talking about a variety of things that raise that floor for him as well. And then just kind of to throw in a little side note that I like, is that he was number eight in the NFL in terms of yards before contact per carry among backs with at least 100 carries. And of the players ahead of him, only Rashad Penny had a better evasion rate. And then you go and you look back to his rookie year and Swift was elite in terms of yards before contact in that season as well. Swift, one of these guys where the big play is there. The athleticism is there. You know, I always look at someone like Jamal Charles as being the perfect example of how being elite in yards before contact, having that athleticism to you know, get through the line and make the first guy miss, create these big plays. And even when everything isn't blocked up perfectly, now some people are going to say, well, the Lions have a pretty good offensive line. And that is probably true, but it's also good for him going forward, right? So we're looking at a guy who can create the big play as a runner. He's an elite receiver, and you can kind of look at this either way, I think. They've added a lot of target competition, and so if a skeptic wanted to look at Swift's situation and say, well, I mean, he's not going to be the number two back in the NFL this year in terms of share of his team's targets because there are going to be more targets going to Chark. There are going to be more targets going to Williams. 
you didn't have a situation last year even where tj hawkinson was healthy at the same time that amon ross st brown had emerged as a legit nfl weapon so the passing game is going to run more through the downfield guys and there's a possibility of that and yet we've seen how offenses like the chargers and the saints can attack through the receiver weapons and still get a lot of value out of the running back in the receiving game we'll see if some of that carries over as the lions have made some shifts in the way that they are going to run the offense the way they're going to call plays but it just would be very strange to de-emphasize a player like deandre swift in the receiving game when he's such a big weapon there and the flip side of it is that if this offense is more dynamic and we have a lot of reasons to believe that it will be i mean you could be talking about deandre swift as a huge touchdown scorer in 2022. we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and you mentioned Leonard Fournette earlier in that in terms of the high-value touches, and the offenses were very different between the Detroit Lions and the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in, in 2021, but I do think this offense will be better. I also think that the targets that he's going to get is going to be different to some of those other guys potentially that you mentioned, but I do still think they're going to be behind in a lot of games, and for anyone who did draft Swift last year, the fourth quarters of those games were uh, quite delightful as those points particularly in PPR formats, did start to pile up. And something else with DeAndre Swift, he has obviously been in the NFL for a couple of seasons now, but just turned 23 in January of this year as well. So still has that youth on his side, still room to progress and improve. So I think he is very, very intriguing in that kind of second round range. The other player, Sean, that we're going to talk about is in the NFL a little bit longer, but you mentioned Jonathan Taylor and how he came into the NFL, his previous comps, being a generational type talent. Sometimes we throw around that, phrase you know a lot it gets thrown around a lot it's a bit like who's a legend or who's a goat there's like you know they, they do, do get thrown around but in terms of generational prospects Saquon Barkley was certainly one of those coming out of college started off his career very very well has been really derailed by injury more so than anything else and um kind of a very unfortunate injury last year in the way that he he did get kind of rolled up on and missed a good chunk of the season after having worked his way back but Saquon Barkley still did show some flashes last year at certain points and he's heading in now as a veteran running back but I think that there could be a lot of value there in him in 2022. And Barkley is a player as you mentioned who comes in with this crazy score in the running back prospect lab we're talking about guys who were in this 95 to 100 range 
you know, Barkley, depending on exactly how you build the model, is going to be up there 98, 99, 100. And the reason that he's actually not in that comp group for Jonathan Taylor is that Barkley was always there as a receiver. He's not someone that you needed to make the argument that he's going to build into it and the team is going to use him more. He's someone who comes out as a rookie and averages over 11 expected points per game just as a receiver, right? So, I mean, Saquon Barkley, an absolute superstar as a rookie. He has double-digit EP as both a rusher and a receiver. He's at 21.6 overall. When we're looking at players who should be drafted in the first five picks, we're looking at guys who have that type of workload and then have the ability in any given season to add on three or four fantasy points over expectation and now you're in that 25, 26, 27 range where that player is going to generate an incredible win rate for you. As long as the rest of your roster is built properly, you're going to dominate and you're going to be there at the end in big tournaments. When we look at DeAndre Swift, for example, and we talk about his expected points, you can even say, well, all of those high value touches are great, but there could be a sustainability issue. There are a lot of ways that could play out and if the high value touches aren't there at quite the same extent, then his EP drops down a little bit. And you're talking about someone who maybe isn't quite as appealing. And yet when you look at Swift within the context of what Eckler and Kamara do, he hasn't had, or he didn't have last season that year where his fantasy points over expectation get into the Kamara Eckler range. And maybe he doesn't have that in him either because of his own talents, because of luck, because of the offense but one of the things that could balance out a slight regression in terms of the quality of his touches would be that he could be better with them and he could have that four or five fpoe season where then the overall profile is there with barkley really all we're talking about is needing him to be back to what he was and in terms of what he was it was very fleeting even look at the second year very good again but that those EP numbers drop from 21.6 per, per game to 17.6. So you're losing four points, and, and that's a lot. But the question, obviously, for us is, is where is he now? The bigger concern most drafters have is not, oh, is it going to be you know in the 17.5 range, but will it be anything at all? What does he have left? And the fact that he's still a relatively young back doesn't necessarily mean anything. I and mean, we've witnessed a lot of these stars of recent vintage you know after you have these injuries then you're just never the same and you can be never the same as a 24 25 26 year old and that's one of the things that is pretty frustrating for the players themselves much more than for us as fantasy managers but for fantasy as well i think there are a handful of really positive potential notes for him Right. Number one is that he's a year removed now from that serious injury or has another year to have gotten back to full strength from the ACL. And really last year, what caused him the problem was the ankle sprain. And those can be very serious also. They're all a little bit different. We know that Michael Thomas has never really returned from his serious ankle injury. But the indications are that Barkley is 100%. He's going to be very involved in this offense. We talked about 
the yards before contact for Swift. I think a lot of that goes on him. But you look at someone like Saquon, who in the past has been elite after contact, but hasn't had great numbers before contact. The Giants offensive line has been a train wreck. That's been one of the issues that they've had as they try to unleash him. They've really worked to improve that. Now, whether or not that takes, whether it takes right away, we don't know. But there's a possibility that he will get a lot better blocking. And then with that, he's going to have a better coaching staff, a better offensive scheme. And so those three big elements really push back in the direction of thinking, okay, he could be someone who not only looks more like the player, at least from year two, if not from the rookie year. One of the things that does happen for these running backs, especially the stars, is often they come in and the best season, the most explosive season. You look at Ezekiel Elliott and the most explosive season from an efficiency perspective is going to be that rookie year. Then he added some volume elements to that and bumped up the numbers and held them for a couple of years. But these guys can come in and it's just, it's difficult to hold that. But if you, even if you look at his second season, if he can be that within the context of a better offense, I mean, how is he going at the two, three turn? And the reason is just, again, this concern about the injuries and if he'll ever be the same type of guy. But if he is, the upside is is huge. There's minimal competition for him there. The Giants have made it very clear that they expect to use him as a receiver. And that's great, number one, from the perspective of those are high-value touches. And then number two, when you talk about a back like Saquon Barkley with that size, athleticism, profile, you get him out there on the edges. You get him in space. That's very difficult for the defense to deal with. Yeah, and I, I'm really just rooting for him as well, just as a, a player. You know, the talent coming in, we just haven't really got to see a full run of it, like you mentioned there with the injury history. So hoping that he is going to, to bounce back in this season as well. He feels like he's at a real apex in his career. You know, if he hits this season, the career is probably going to be extended by you know three or four years as an NFL running back. And if he misses this year, then um, it's going to be harder and harder for him to to continue to be the starting running back for the giants first of all but then if he's not with the giants you know getting a contract with another team players going in the and around the range that he is going are the likes of nick chubb james connor Brees hall cam Akers. then we have david montgomery antonio gibson and ezekiel elliott who you mentioned there there is a couple of guys obviously like james connor is one of our favorite guys but i think that that's at the peak of his adp it's a little bit problematic as to how early he is at this point but Outside of Brees Hall and that list of names that I rounded off, I think that I would be really thinking that the upside there to be in those top five running back picks in 2023 is with Saquon Barkley. So I think there's a lot of excitement and a lot of support behind him if he can hit this year. So they are the two guys that were fitting into that mold. As Sean said at the start, there's only one Jonathan Taylor, so nobody's going to take that role in 2022. But somebody who can be a, a Jonathan Taylor kind of minus maybe, but let's see how it plays out this year. Sean, as we get ready to close out today's show on that, any other notes on uh, any other running backs maybe going in that who could be a, a pretender maybe to the crown? There are some other pretty talented players. You look at Nick Chubb and the problem is simply that he doesn't have the workload to make it fit. But he also doesn't necessarily have to have the workload that a different back might because he is so unbelievably explosive. You pull up the advanced stat explorer, you're going to be blown away by how good he is before contact, after contact. The FPOE numbers are in line with that. I mean, he generates more points than his touches would indicate. You do have the two backs 
who were zero running back superstars last year and fall into, or not necessarily fall into, they've been good before, they were good last year, but Leonard Fournette and James Conner have potentially elite workloads in dynamic offenses. So when you're looking at teams where the starting back is going to get a lot of touches around the goal line, is going to catch a lot of passes, it's almost difficult for them to mess that up. But there are talent issues with both of them that could open a little bit of a door. And especially for James Conner, we would expect the Cardinals to try and take a little bit of the work off of him so that he can stay healthy. Obviously, we have guys like Alvin Kamara, Javante Williams. Williams would probably be the other player who kind of fits this breakout mold, could take a big jump. If it weren't for the presence of Melvin Gordon, then, yeah, I mean, you'd be looking at him as a potential star, again, especially within the context of a Denver Broncos offense that we expect to score a lot of points. Now, the thing here is that there probably is a little bit of a gap between where Williams is going and where he should go or could go. He does still have the ability to beat that ADP, but probably not to where he would be the first pick next season. He's going to need a teammate injury. It's really a little bit more similar to where Taylor was as a rookie, where he did beat those guys out. He did score a lot of points. It's going to be a step forward from where Javante was just last year, but it probably is a little bit more similar to where Brees Hall is. And so if you are looking to take a guy who does have some questions about workload and does have some competition, and competition from a good player. I mean, Michael Carter was very good last year, but you still might prefer to get an extra round discount on a Brees Hall, or you take the perhaps riskier play on guys in the fourth round in terms of J.K. Dobbins or Travis Etienne. You know, we see the prices on Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, and I'm definitely not saying that they couldn't have good seasons, that they wouldn't be top five backs, that if you draft them and draft well in addition to that, then those players you know, couldn't be part of winning teams. They obviously could, but we're moving more in the direction where they have risk. And we know the history for the early backs. We know the risks for all the players, regardless of then the specific additional player-specific risks. And so when we're looking at taking those guys there, it's not that you couldn't have any exposure or that they won't be good, but those guys are starting to move into that range that we saw Ezekiel Elliott in last season and there's a reason why Ezekiel Elliott now is a fourth or fifth round pick because it didn't play out well. Yeah, certainly. That's, that's a nice way to put it, John. Very diplomatic, uh, finishing up on Ezekiel Elliott and that in those terms. But that is going to get us towards the end of today's show. But as always, if you're playing over at Underdog Fantasy, you can use the code ROTOVIZ to get yourself a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100. If you want to get involved over at Rotoviz and get access to all our tools and all our content, Sean referenced a number of them on today's show, you can sign up and get a listeners-only 10% discount using the promo code RBRADIO2022 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools, and it will also save you 10% as well. Drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app. We do appreciate that, as always. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>